and welcome to the Fit Zone podcast, Financing International Trade. I'm Catherine Morton, Head of Trade, Treasury and Risk at TXF, and I'm joined here at the ICC Banking Commission Annual Meeting in Miami by Stephen Beck. He's Head of Trade Finance at the Asian Development Bank. Steve, how's the past year been and what are your hopes for 2018? We were actually quite taken aback by the amount of growth we had in our trade finance business. Um, it grew over 40%, um, over 40%, yeah, um, in terms of both um, transaction numbers, the number of transactions we did, um, and the, um, uh, the dollar value. Um, I think there are three sort of main reasons for that. Um, one, uh, you've got uh, trade increasing, you've got uh, major economies around the world uh, growing at a, at a reasonable clip and that is driving demand for, uh, for more goods um, to be traded. Um, so I think you know, definitely that, uh, that's had an impact on our growth. Um, second of all, the, the rise in commodity prices I think is uh, putting even more strain on uh, what limits, country limits and counterparty limits um, our client banks um, have. And so there's been more of a, a requirement to distribute to Asian Development Bank. And then I think the, the third reason um, that we've seen so much growth is um, that we've done a pretty good job of being constantly engaged with our clients. Um, and providing them with information that I think they've, they've found quite valuable in their, in their business, which um, helps ensure that we're sort of constantly uh, top of mind when it comes to distribution and doing transactions in uh, some of these more difficult, uh, difficult markets. Um, so the, the, the growth has been primarily, we're in 20 countries, um, but the growth primarily um, has been in, uh, in Bangladesh, um, Pakistan, uh, Vietnam, and, and Sri Lanka. Um, and Catherine, the, the first uh, quarter of 2018, we've seen uh, growth of uh, 30%. And this is over the, you know, the big growth that we had in, uh, in 2017. So it, uh, it doesn't seem to be stopping. Top line growth of 40% is pretty impressive. Does that mean in some way in these markets that the 1.5 trillion trade finance gap is being closed? Well, I, I suspect that, it, uh, that there's, there's sort of more demand um, and, and sort of more strain on limits uh, than there is sort of a, a, a closing of the gap. Um, uh, we're going to be doing our gap study um, as you know, we've done it five years uh, running. Uh, this year we took a break um, simply because we didn't know how much value there is in doing uh, you know, sort of a, a sixth consecutive uh, annual study against the amount of work and, and resources it, it, it's required. So um, we weren't able to measure it this year, but next year will be quite interesting to see if, if the, the trade finance gap um, is, is bigger, smaller, and and, and why. The markets you're talking about with very high growth, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, they're ones that have been quite badly hit by de-risking correspondent banking relationships and banks pulling back. 
Have you been picking up some of that? Yeah, and I think maybe maybe the de-risking is is part of the reason that we're seeing um, uh, more demand for ADB you know, uh, uh, trade finance products is that you've got you've got fewer uh, uh, sort of risks in the market that international banks are willing to assume, um, and and those fewer risks I suppose put even more strain um, on what what limits exist. Um, so that, that that could certainly be uh, helping to fuel this, but also you've got you just got a lot of growth in these countries, right? Um, that uh, I mean, a lot of people hear this sort of headline news. It's always negative, you know, about Pakistan or Bangladesh and so on, and and uh, and rarely do you hear about you know the the six seven percent growth year on year uh, in, in in these countries. Um, so uh, so these are exciting, growing, dynamic markets um, that clearly uh, have a lot of requirement for more financial support and. Uh, and that's why we exist, is to, uh, to provide that support. And is that principally on infrastructural support? Yeah, well, traditionally, Asian Development Bank has, has focused on, on infrastructure. I mean, since the creation of the bank in 1966, it did you know, sovereign lending for infrastructure projects you know, exclusively up until about 15 years ago when it started to develop a capacity to operate in the private sector. And even in that private sector space, the focus has been on infrastructure, but then now on financial institutions, um, including the, the, the trade finance business. Um, and more recently, we've uh, moved into supply chain finance, which is a completely new area for, for Asian Development Bank because it's not infrastructure, it's not FI, it's actual corporate risk. Um, and it's something that uh, where we've really had to sort of uh, move up the, the learning curve. How is your supply chain finance going? Um, well, it's gone uh, fairly slowly at first. Um, you know, given the, the, the nature of the organization, doing these kinds of transactions, these short-term uh, transactions uh, in supply chain, uh, has required us to come up with all sorts of new operational procedures and so on, which has been a bit time-consuming to come up with operation manuals and you know all this kind of stuff, um, uh, and sort out how to how to sort of administer it when you're not a commercial bank. Um, effectively, we're a, really a, a wholesale bank. Um, so so that was challenging, um, and then also from uh, just a straight credit risk perspective, and we don't have models internally to sort of assess these risks, and uh, so we've really started from, from ground zero. Um, and we implemented, in an initial phase, a supply chain finance business very sort of prudently and cautiously. So we started by uh, uh, sharing risk with Standard Chartered Bank um, in a portfolio of uh, supply chain finance transactions. They'll always involve um, SMEs in our developing member countries, um, and they can be supplying larger corporates, um, either domestically or internationally, anywhere. Um, so we started off with Stanchart, and then uh, now we're about to implement a uh, supply chain finance program with Deutsche Bank, um, and we have a number of other, uh, uh, other sort of larger 
global partner banks in the pipeline. But what's really exciting, Catherine, is that uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the board um, said that it's ready for us to move to the next phase of building this business. So you know, the initial implementation, as I say, was, was done quite cautiously, but now we're ready to sort of blow this thing up um, in a good way, not a, not, a, not a bad blow up, but a good blow up. Um, and so we're going to be looking to partner with local banks, not just the big global players. Um, we're also going to be looking at doing transactions um, without partner financial institutions. So we'll be uh, looking at uh, working with various platform providers. Um, so it's, uh, it's a very exciting time for us to be building this business and uh, um, yeah, it uh, will be good fun. Is international trade doomed to be trade without trade finance given the movement towards open account trade driven by BAL3, regulation, de-risking and so on? Well, I, people have been, been writing off trade finance uh, instruments for, for a great many years. Um, it hasn't happened yet. As I say, we see a great deal of growth in our, in our business, uh, just our straight trade finance business. Um, I think that trade finance products are you know, probably more relevant for emerging markets um, uh, than, than many others, particularly where you know, companies are concerned about risks and look to financial institutions to mitigate those risks. So I think that, that uh, financial institutions will, will you know, remain a part of, of uh, an important part of the trade picture. But at the same time, there are new products, different ways of, uh, of, of uh, conducting transactions and mitigating risks that are coming on stream. Um, and so, you know, we, you know, through our supply chain finance program, for example, we, uh, uh, we, we don't want to miss out on opportunities to close gaps um, simply by sticking with, you know, traditional trade finance products. So we, we are looking to, uh, uh, to expand our product offerings to, to provide more support to, uh, to the market and close more gaps. We're here at the ICC Banking Commission annual meeting. Going forward, what role do you see the partnership with the ICC and the Asian Development Bank taking? Well, ICC has been a very important vehicle for the Asian Development Bank. I mean, to put it in a very sort of focused, self-serving uh, perspective, um, uh, for for the past ten years, and when we um, first conceived of the trade finance register um, that came up with the first uh, default and loss uh, statistics uh, for trade finance on a global industry basis. Um, the obvious place to house that was the International Chamber of Commerce. And so we, uh, we worked with the ICC to, to create the, the trade finance register uh, and funded the first um, uh, report. Um, and uh, since then, just pulled back and, and, and let the, the ICC run with it um, and let the banks finance it. And I think it's, it's gone quite well. So the ADB-ICC relationship really started there. Um, and then it uh, grew into a partnership around uh, uh, assessing uh, gaps, uh, market gaps, where we've partnered with the ICC to help with uh, the distribution of uh, uh, survey questions and, and that kind of stuff, um, and then we've you know, we've done the analysis back in uh, 
in, in ADB on, on those gaps and, and put out reports. Um, so, you know, the, the relationship is, is, is broad. Um, as you know, Catherine, I sit on the advisory board, and so it's, it's a very good way for, um, for ADB to be plugged into the industry, um, another uh, uh, forum through which uh, we can engage with, uh, with our partner banks. Um, and I think it's a, it's a very healthy, uh, symbiotic sort of relationship. On a more macro level, do you think the increasing move towards protectionism is harmful to global trade, or do you think global trade will carry on regardless? Well, I think it is, it is harmful, but it will carry on. Um, I don't know about, I guess, I suppose regardless, um, but uh, protectionism certainly isn't going to help. Um, and as you know, people are quite concerned about it. Um, you know, how far the sort of tit for tat between major trading partners uh, will go you know, remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, I mean, ADB uh, is a very strong proponent for, for trade. Uh, trade has been, you know, I think the, the primary driver behind, you know, millions of people in Asia being alleviated from, from, from poverty, right, rising out of poverty. And certainly the ICCs, uh, raison d'être is to promote uh, peace through trade. Um, so, uh, so, so the links there are are very important. And you know, you know, going forward, um, I, I wrote a blog about this. Uh, the ICC's important historical role going forward on the digital uh, trade, um, and you know how. In 1933, when the ICC created um, the Uniform Customs and Practices Rules, those were the first rules for international trade that were ever created, right? And it was the ICC that created that, not a, not, not a government entity or any sort of international body that might have existed at the time. Um, it was the ICC. And I think we stand now at a similar point in history where we're coming to the end of an analog era, um, one which the ICC sort of underpinned with its global rules in trade, which were, were adapted, of course, by courts around the world, which continues today and is arguably one of the most successful sort of introduction of global rules in the history of, you know, of the world, right? I don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's an overstatement. I really don't. Um, we stand at the end of this, this sort of analog era in trade and you know, possibly at the beginning of a very exciting sort of digital era in trade that could involve you know, a great deal uh, more inclusion, um, which of course is, is, is extremely important, I think recognized uh, important. Um, uh, and I don't think that they're really any other entity that's able to bring together the sort of disparate groups, the public sector, the private sector, um, uh, that's, that's required to create the rules for a digital era and trade, one that's required to underpin this sort of push and all the sort of potential that we could see from the digitization of trade. So, um, so I think it's a very exciting time to be in trade, notwithstanding the, uh, the protectionist uh, sort of sentiments that we hear. Um, and I think that, that, that digitization of trade uh, 
And ICC's role in that is extremely important to fight against protectionist and nationalist sentiments, which in large part, I think, rose out of a lack of inclusion in the global economy, which you know, could come out of digitization. Thanks, Steve. Nice to leave on an optimistic note. You've been listening to the Fit Zone podcast, Financing International Trade. I'm Catherine Morton from TXF. Thanks for listening and join us next time.